ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM, featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. Good evening and welcome to Sports Info. This is Daryl Oliver and I'm with my man Sam Sword, our engineer Roland V. Welcome to Sports Info UM. Let's get right to it, Sam. Wait a minute home. before you get to oh, it. UM, come on. Guys, uh, you always forget about yourselves. Hey, I'm Daryl Oliver, University of Miami grad, class of 1987-1983 national championship uh, team. Sam Sword, University of Michigan, proud graduate, a 1997 national champion. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, lot of great football games over this past weekend. And like you said, we're going to jump in here first. The number one team in the country, Alabama, was off this week. So uh, they'll be facing Missouri this weekend. But the number two team, Oregon, beat number 23, Washington, 52-21, to led by redshirt freshman quarterback Marcus Mariota. Well, saying the number three team in the state, in the, in the nation, and number three team in the state of Florida, uh, Florida State Seminoles got beat by NC State, a team that the University of Miami beat just a week ago. I was very surprised by this, man. Um, Florida State did not score a point in the second half. Unbelievable. Jimbo Fisher looked like he got a little bit conservative in the second half, and I'm not so sure if that is what Florida State needs. If you're going to be wide open, let's put the pedal to the metal constantly and keep it wide open. Jimmy Johnson said it best. When you get them down, pour it on. Don't lighten up. Tighten up, baby. You know, uh, a couple weeks ago, Florida State was being mentioned as uh, one of the teams that was possibly in the hunt for the national championship. Got out to a great start. Uh, led 16-0 at the half. Uh, you know, they rolled Chris Thompson, the big-time tailback. He had 25 carries for 141 yards. But like you said, they, they went a little conservative in North Carolina State. They just kept chopping wood, kept chopping wood, got a big punt block uh, late in the game with uh, under three minutes to go. And uh, the quarterback, you know, he made a big-time play at the end of the game, and uh, um, the the crowd went wild. They stormed the field. Okay, change the subject. Next game. <laughs> Rolling, if you don't know, is a big time Florida State fan. I am know. not a happy pilgrim. So, so what do you think about Jimbo Fisher? Are, are you sold on him yet? Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's fine. I think it had to do with with some of the play calling, uh, as you said before, going conservative. Uh, I didn't understand some of the running plays when it's not working. You don't go back to the well over and over and over again for something that's not working. And uh, it looked like uh, EJ was uh, rushing a few of his passes, but they were longer passes, and he just wasn't on. So it was an off game. Now, I would predict it's possible they could win out, and it depends upon the teams ahead of them whether there's any losses at all as to whether they have any chance in the national championship. Well, they dropped the number 12 in uh, the new uh, rankings. Uh, I, don't, I just don't know if the, the strength of the conference is going to allow them if they win out to, to possibly play for a national championship. Uh, you know, the SEC has three or four teams that are going to get more attention just because the level of competition in that conference and what they've done in the past, not meaning that they're better than Florida State, but sometimes the voters get caught up in, this is the SEC, uh, we won the last four or five national championships. And uh, you know, going back to E.J. Manuel, he has some respectable numbers, yeah. 17 to 29, 218 yards, a touchdown and an interception. As far as the play calling, uh, 
when you're gr- when you're trying to grind out a tough victory, you, you keep the clock moving. And uh, I, I just think Florida State went a little too conservative. And uh, whenever you give up a big play in a special teams game, you know there's always three phases of the game, and sometimes special teams is neglected. But when you win two phases of the um, the game, your chances increase tremendously, especially when you get a block punt. And uh, you know they completed a pass with 16 seconds go to uh, to beat right. Florida State. Only two interceptions out of the last 200 and some 80 receptions there. And what you're mentioning is the ACC where they have a loss. And now we do have a leader in the ACC. Right, Daryl? University of Miami is leading the ACC. Coastal hey, Division. The Coastal Division. Hey, we, uh, we, all we got to do is win one side. Come on. We, all we have to do is win one side. Uh, hey, well, let's get on to the number four team, man. The LSU Tigers lost to the Florida Gators, the number 10 ranked team in the nation. I, I went over to a tailgate party in Gainesville over the weekend for this game. Man, there's a lot of excitement in the community. I mean, Gainesville was really hot, wide open. I didn't go to the game, and I did hear that there were some tickets available for this game. So I don't know about that. Um, I just thought the Gator would be be sold out for such a huge game. And it didn't really seem like it was a, a big, big, big-time game in, in Gainesville, even though it was LSU. LSU, this, is a, this game here almost kind of mirrors the Florida State game where LSU scored six points in the first half, no points in the second half, where the Florida Gators did score in the second half and, and actually pulled this game out. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit more... More confidence in Coach Muschamp, and I guess I could say um, I need to be giving him a little bit more respect because his team came out ready. They were very physical. They they were just it was just a, one of those SEC games like uh, three yards in a pile of dust almost. Like it was very very physical. Well, I'll tell you, a game that was dominated by both teams' defenses, uh, Florida rolled uh, the land grad Mike Gillisley to the promised land. Uh, he, he rushed for a career-high 146 yards and two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Florida, they were determined to run the football. Uh, and when you can run the football with success, I mean, LSU has four, maybe five guys up front that's going to play in the National Football League. And Florida was determined to run the football. And they ran the ball 25 consecutive times to end the game. And, I I mean, that's the type of team that Coach Muschamp, he wants. He wants the type of team that's going to be able to line up, run the football, and play tough defense. Because the reality of it is if you're going to beat the Alabamas of the world, you're going to have to play strong defense and run the football. And, you know, the quarterback – he, he did a good job of managing the game. He didn't he didn't do too much. He did just enough. He made the plays that was necessary for them to be successful. And uh, you know, three weeks ago, I was running around with my LSU pom pom saying that there's no way Florida would beat LSU. Today I got pie in my face, and and I'm a big fan of that Florida team, just the style of play. And I think their coach said it best. You're not going to run the spread offense in the SEC. Your quarterback will not make it. You're going to have to be able to line up and run the football. And, and, you know, Florida, they did the better job Saturday of doing that. LSU still a good football team. they got to get better quarterback play. And, um, you know, they have a big game this week, LSU. You know, they got the number three team, the new number three team in the nation, South Carolina, coming to town. You know, when I look at both of those teams, I just really didn't see any explosion on the outside. 
at the wide receiver position. Neither one of these teams impressed me with their wide receiver play. And I think, I really think, you know, you say you, you can't win in it with a spread offense, but you really have to be able to put the ball vertical um, in, in football nowadays. To win championships, you're going to have to get vertical. But the number five and the number 16 played each other. And um, uh, my friend Mark Rick, who's a head coach at um, University of Georgia, and um, Coach Steve Spurrier met in South Carolina. Um, you know, Coach Spurrier really, man, this game seemed like it was over before it started. You looked up, it was 14 nothing. Next thing you know, it was 21 nothing, and and Georgia just never really got anything on track. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, quarterback Connor from uh, South Carolina did a great job. He threw two touchdown passes. Uh, got another strong performance from Lattimore, finished over 100 yards and a touchdown. And they got – when you can score on special teams, uh, you know, that just increase your chances of winning. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they talk about uh, Lattimore, they talk about the offense. But uh, I'm more impressed with this defense from uh, South Carolina. You know, they're playing at a level of the Alabamas. So – and watching them play, how they can – physically beat you up with their ground game they can which is going to open up the play action game and, and playing defense i mean two years ago Clowney, their defensive end was the number one rated recruit in america and, and i tell you most of the time these kids don't live up to the hype but this young man might be the best defensive end in college football right now Wow. And that, in the SEC, that's saying something. That, that's saying a lot. Yeah, when, when you look at these S, uh, LSU defensive ends, that's saying a whole lot, Sam. You know, but um, I, I, I really look at Steve Spurrier. When you think about Steve Spurrier of old, you think about somebody that's chucking the ball around all over the field. You see Steve Spurrier's quarterbacks running now more than I've ever seen a quarterback for Steve Spurrier in my in, in my life, and uh, and it's just it's really kind of strange to see a quarterback taking off running in a Steve Spurrier's offense where he's been so of a pocket conservative kind of kind of um, coach. You know, it's, it's, it's what do good coaches do? They adjust. They adapt, and uh, you know the fun and gun that was Florida. Now he's more of pound them, play strong defense, and he's adjusting to the talent that he has. He has one of the best running backs in the country. He has a quarterback that's athletic, and he's also a pretty good passer. And uh, he's riding his defense. So you know that's the formula of success when you can run the football and play good defense. Something I've been watching with these college football games, and I don't remember it looking this way in the past. In a punt situation. You have three people that actually come back to block for the punter. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's it, the new spread sensation. Oh, a lot is that of, what it is? Yeah, a lot of people are going with, like, the spread punt. You have the spread offense. You have the spread punt. And uh, it's allowing them because you get a lot of guys. What, defense they, being spread or yeah, the offense? You, you spread the defense. Some of them, they, okay. they take wide splits. Instead okay. of having the gunner spread out wide, yeah. okay. they bring in three guys because normally in a traditional, in the old punt formation, right. you have two gunners and you yes. have a, um, a personal protector. But now they're really just bringing the gunners in and they're being, personal protectors and they're spreading the lines making big line splits and making it hard for the defense to get in and now, it, it also allows you to be able to fake and, and now you get a lot of rugby slash soccer yes. style kickers where they're rolling them out and they're giving them a punt slash run read but now the uh the the runners or gunners i should say they're not allowed to go over top of the defenders is that correct they're not allowed to go over top, jump over them. The the, defen- the defense is not the, allowed to jump over the, that's the offense. On a kick. Okay. 
That's on a, um, a field goal slash extra right. point. And I know oh, you, okay. you cannot hit the uh, the long snapper until he brings his head up because, you know, that guy, he has his head between He's his legs. So when, yeah, so when he snapped the ball, you cannot hit that guy until he brings his head up. And if you watch some teams, they'll have their long snapper snap the ball and keep his head down. Oh, and, and I you're, see. You're basically isolating the guy because he can't hit him until he lifts his head up. Wow. Yeah, and in most cases that those three guys that are back there protecting the punter, it's one the guy in the middle. He has he's turned to the side, and once the ball is snapped, he comes in the middle, turns towards the where the ball comes from, and he's usually a big big guy. It's not like a, mm-hmm. a personal punt protector in the past where it's usually a, a tight end or a, a fullback. Those positions are now um, usually. Big lineman, offensive or defensive lineman holding that position. But on the punts, we have seen punts blocked. So yeah, we have. Still altogether possible. That's, that's for sure. Hey, the number 17 is, is Kansas State beat Kansas. And Charlie Weiss better watch himself. He's on the hot seat. Take it. But you heard it right here on Sports Info UM. Charlie Weiss is on the hot seat. In year one, he's on the hot seat? He, in, in year one, Charlie Weiss is in, on the hot seat. I don't know if Kansas have the buyout money that Notre Dame had. But, uh, hey, uh, you know, the score, Kansas State 56, Kansas 16. Uh, it was a seven-point game at, at the half. And, uh, you know, they say Bill Snyder didn't have to say much at, at the half. He just came in and gave him that look. And Kansas State exploded for 28 points in the third quarter. And uh, they were off and running after that. And, uh, you know, a, another game that just was exciting. And uh, to me, you're watching you're watching greatness. You're almost watching a Heisman campaign in the making, sort of like RG3. He snuck up and won um, Heisman over Luck last year. But uh, this Geno Smith from West Virginia is very impressive. Uh, he he had a career day last, uh, last week. And uh, this week versus a, a tough Texas team, he had pressure in his face a lot. All he did was uh, get up, make plays. He stayed com- composed, and uh, he led his team to a 48-45 victory, a tough, hard-fought victory. And, hey, um, Coach Brown is always going to bring it, and he's going to be have his team prepared, and this is no different. He knew he had to, be, had to score a lot of points just to keep up with West Virginia, and that's what they came out and did. They scored 45 points, which wasn't enough, and uh, I don't know – whether it's and I'm not so sure whether it's it's the scheme that West Virginia is running or is it the athletes and I guess I, I I'm, I'm just not so sure which one it is but I know one thing this guy Geno Smith is my front runner for the Heisman Trophy so it has so athletes do have something to do with it, a lot to do with it. I, I tell you what, there's not a lot to do in Morgantown. I visited Morgantown a couple times and uh, played a game there myself. There, there's not a lot to do. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the scheme has a lot to do with it, but uh, you, you know, uh, I, I think West Virginia do a good job of coming to Florida and uh, plucking kids that are not highly recruited, the two and three star kids. They do a good job of, of evaluating talent that fits their system, and uh, this quarterback they have. I mean. I'm watching, and uh, I watched the game, and then I watched the games on Sunday, 
and it, there's not a lot of difference in some of the throws that he was making. He made some big time throws in this game where his his receiver was covered and he had to put the ball in a spot where only his guy within could a catch six it. inch hole. And yes. he did it. Yeah. And uh, they also got a strong performance from their uh, tailback who had over 200 yards, Andrew Bowie, and and West Virginia has some big time receivers also. Uh, you spoke earlier about EJ Manuel. You just mentioned something about Heisman. Just to back up for a moment, does uh, EJ taken out of the Heisman spotlight temporarily? I say yes. I, I, I would definitely say yes too. Uh, I, so it I has mean, to do with the team winning. It, the winning has something to winning do with it, and but, numbers. Or if now if EJ would have lost and put up four or five hundred yards and five touchdowns, you stay in the race. Right. But uh, I, I mean, really. Right now, who is, who is hotter than Geno Smith? I want to know. I want to meet the guy. 24 touchdowns to no interceptions. It's no one hotter than him right now. And when you go back to what he did last year in the Orange Bowl against Clemson, and then what he's done yeah. this year. That was his coming out party. Wow. I mean, he is the front runner for the Heisman Trophy, and the kid really seems to have to have his head on really straight. He's a he's a he's a a wealth of knowledge. Um, you they know, call it, they're calling him a football nerd. Hey. And, and you know, a lot of times, as a I hate to say this, as an Afro American quarterback, you are stereotyped. Into being when you're athletic, you're stereotyped into being a certain type of quarterback, or he can't think. So it's good to to see that the national media they're putting it out there and letting it be known that this is a very smart quarterback. He studies after his record-breaking performance, and you know uh, people ask him, "Say, what are you going to go do now?" He said, "I'm going to watch film on Texas." And you know that's the type of young man you want leading your franchise in the NFL. They're taking notice. Oh, for sure. Hey man, well the number nine team is um, is Notre Dame, and um, they put a shellacking on those Miami Hurricanes. Um, my alma mater. It was just really disappointing to see this game. You tried to break hey. this game into the break, man. I tell you, <laughs> hey guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM on 1380 WLE and the Voice America Network. When we return from the break, we will recap the Notre Dame Miami game. Or oh, was it a game? Back after this. Livingston Warrington and Sword, PA, a full-service law firm located at 20 Airport Road, Suite A, Palm Coast, Florida, serving Volusia, St. John's, Flagler, and Putnam counties, practicing in the areas of bankruptcy, divorce, and child support, injunctions, criminal defense, foreclosure defense, real estate, probate, and general business litigation. Need help? Call Livingston Warrington and Sword, PA at 386-437-5833. The number again is 386-437-5833. For an appointment and mention this ad and your consultation is on the house. Livingston, Wilmington, and Sword, PA. Attorneys at Law. The obvious choice. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouye and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Has your insurance been canceled or non-renewed? Have your premiums increased dramatically? Are you looking for a new agent? Why don't you call Accord Insurance located in Palm Coast, Florida today? Accord Insurance offers home, flood, auto, business, life, and health insurance at affordable rates from A-rated carriers. Talk to an Accord Insurance agent today, 386-447-8950 or www.accordinsurancepalmcoast.com. Accord Insurance, Volusia and Flagler County's premier insurance agency, providing you with quality insurance you can afford. may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 386-523-1380. That's 386-523-1380. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Info. Hey, Sam, let's get right into this University of Miami game, man. The Hurricanes got beat down pretty bad against Notre Dame. You know, and it bothered me a little bit to constantly hear about the the Catholics versus the convicts. This is something from back in the 80s, man. Most of these kids weren't even born when that was out, Catholics versus convicts. And they still want to bring it up. And I, I just don't see this. This team is being nothing close to convicts. I mean, this is probably one of the probably one of the least criminalized teams in the NCAA right now. And the University of Miami. That's what I was going to say. And that's probably their problem. That's what I was going to say. There, there was there was no convicts on that roster. Uh, you know, like I said last week. Here we uh, go. You want to throw when, when the convicts, man? T- when we're talking about uh, Miami, you know, I, th- I think about just swag. You know, guys playing defense, Ray Lewis, Russell Maryland, all. Uh, those type of guys, and uh, you know, uh, a Notre Dame team to me, uh, that's not very good. I mean, they're ranked number seven in the nation. They beat everybody on their schedule. They beat my alumni, but when we turned the ball over six times and only gave up thirteen points, uh, to me, the issue with Miami is their defense. Fifty-one carries for three hundred and seventy-six yards and five touchdowns. Me, you, we both know when you can't stop the run, it, it's 
it's going to be a long day. Yeah. And Notre Dame just lined up and said they were better. Uh, you know, Miami did. To me, I, I love the first couple play calls that they made. Um, had a for sure touchdown. Kid just dropped the pass. And uh, that you have to attribute that to him being young. And then they came back and made another great call on the um, – they faked the double screen and hit the guy up the seam. And uh, just being a football fan, uh, those to me, those were big-time calls. And they also had uh, some other opportunities. But at the end of the day, it's going to always come back to are you able to stop the run? Because if a team know they can run the ball on you, what are they going to do? They're going to line up and say that we're better than you. You know, Miami, they are a young team. Uh, have to be patient. You, you, they're going to have to learn to be patient. They're, gonna, they're facing a couple more losses, but it's also an opportunity for those young players to grow up and, and learn from that. In a year or two down the road, there's not going to be a lot of teams that want to play Miami. And And – Knowing Coach Golden, I know that he's working on his weakness. And like you say, we can all look at the Hurricanes and tell where we're weak at. And our weakest point is our defensive line. And I guess when you look at the, the players that this team lost uh, for guys going to, going going pro early from Streeter to um, the wide receiver to Lamar Thomas to running back to uh, Ray Ray Armstrong not being able to come back. Uh, Folston went pro, who was our premier defensive lineman. He still had another year. And I'm telling you, it has to be about three or four more guys that left early last year, did not want to come back and play for Coach Golden for their last year in college. And and you can tell, it's, it's, it's a lot of um, young guys playing. And and that's you know that's one about, of our weaknesses. They have about, about twenty five guys in there um in there too deep, maybe even more between twenty five and thirty five guys. But you know if I'm Coach Golden, I'm happy those guys left because you know you want guys that that are going to be in your program selling what you want to be. So you don't need right. me guys or guys who who are there for trying to get to the next level. So if I'm Coach Golden, I'm I'm, I'm excited that those guys. But are a part going. of the story you guys are missing, Notre Dame. I think they're for real. I'm not buying Notre Dame. And uh, like I said, we turned the ball over six times, not making any excuses. Turn the ball over six times, give up 13 points. To me, that's not a bad job of uh, of the defense. Uh, My issue with my alumni is, you know, uh, one week you want to run Denard and feature him. uh, The next week you want him to be uh, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Uh, To me, you have to let Denard Robinson be who he is, and that's just a very athletic kid playing quarterback. And uh, you got to give him high percentage passes to complete. Like this past week against Purdue, carried the ball 24 times, 235 yards on the ground. I mean, to me, you have to allow him to put pressure on the defense. Notre Dame, 34 first downs, 587 total yards, passing to 11, rushing 376. They're not slouches. The, the, the possession of the game, 39 minutes compared to 21 minutes. That doesn't lie. Yeah. And, and let me say one more thing about my, about my alumni, alumni before we go. We lost to Kansas State, the number seven ranked team in the nation who went up this week because yeah. a lot of teams lost in the top ten. Can we rephrase We lost can, to can Notre Dame, re- rephrase that? the number nine team. Y'all got blew out by Kansas State, <laughs> and y'all got blew out by Notre Dame. But we, and, and we're 3-0 and in our conference. 
Hey, man, you can't beat that. I, and, and, and I'm not mad at this team, man. I'm, moral I, I victories can, I can, in Miami, people. Are you listening to this? <laughs> moral victories in Miami. We take what we can get right now, man. You know, hey, we've been on the slide for a little while, and we're very pleased with this young team. I am. I'll be down in a couple weeks to see us beat I'm going to make a bold prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm picking Stanford this week, number 17 Stanford, to upset the newly number 7th ranked Notre Dame fighting Irish, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not buying them. They beat Michigan. They beat Michigan State. They beat Miami. Uh, you get, you have to give them credit. They beat everybody on their schedule. Kudos to them. But hey, I'm not buying them. I'm picking Stanford. And, uh, hey, you know, that, um, that wraps up our top 10 college football segment of our show. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's that time of the year, October. Where oh, I love October. There's, there's nothing like October. In a, we have Biketoberfest here. Especially, <laughs> especially if you're a baseball fan. You oh, know. yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think some of the biggest news in the baseball world, two stories. First story, Miguel Cabrera out of the Detroit Tigers. The first Triple Crown winner in 45 years. No one has done it since Carl Yastrzemski way back in 1967. Get this, guys. Batting average, 330. 44 home runs, 139 runs batted in. Those are stellar numbers. And I tell you, uh, Miguel has managed to do this separately in the categories, but not all three at one time. And it's a it's a uh, very, very hard thing to achieve. Can you say MVP? I, I, hey. MVP. <laughs> but, but not only do he have the gaudy numbers, uh, you know, his team, his team. Was, was on fire late in the, um, late in the season in a – they end up winning their division, you know. Uh, a lot of people kind of wrote the Tigers off. Uh, just, just a great job. They brought in uh, Prince Fielder, an, uh, another big bat this off season to help to help out. And uh, you know, just congratulations to him. Uh, me being a Michigan guy, uh, yeah, there you go, go, Tigers. We shall win the World <laughs> Series this year. And the other, you know, and, and one thing about Miguel Cabrera is that when the season started. He got a, a a DUI charge. Yes, and uh, and a lot of people really really criticized him mm-hmm. when the season started. So he really hushed a lot of his critics, and he made that story kind of just disappear. You know, and that's not that's not what we're going to ever talk about him about in the 2012 year. We're going to talk about him winning the Triple Crown, and I think that's just a phenomenal thing. And it's and it's happened in a time when. So many people have never seen this happen in their lifetime. You know what I mean? I was I was born a over, couple of years before over four decades. You know yeah. uh, that, that that's so just that's a, a, awesome. a tremendous accomplishment. And uh, you know, also in Major League Baseball, we had the AL uh, Wild Card Play-in game, which uh, the Orioles versus the Rangers. The Orioles uh, won five to one to move on, and um, in the NL. Can you say controversy? Uh, replacement oh, refs? big time. Replacement <laughs> refs, maybe? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Cardinals and the Braves. Uh, the Cardinals beat the Braves 6-3, to three, but uh, there was a lot of controversy on the infield fly rule. And let me just say the second biggest story of this week is the retirement of Larry Chipper Jones out of Pearson, Florida. This yeah. guy, for 19 years, except for one personal little blip on the screen, you know, uh, an indiscretion. Other than that, he has been a consummate team baseball player. He has been the face of the Braves, and he he's retiring while he's on top of his game with a over 303 batting average. Uh, just a magnificent uh, human being. He's in the top five with names like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth and, and overall statistics. So, 
you know, I believe that baseball will miss Chipper Jones. I, I would agree. I know I'm going to miss Chip. You know, my grandmother was a was a Braves diehard. I remember when the Braves used to give tickets away pretty much. And, uh, you know, what Chipper has done for that organization, uh, you know, words really can't explain it. And, uh, you know, he felt bad after the game. And uh, it, it, it's a sad farewell. I hate to see him have to go out this way. But, uh, you know, he had a tremendous, a, a tremendous uh, career. And uh, when you can play 19 years in, in that league, you know, what more can you say? Uh, the only can't thing, wait till he's in the Hall of Fame. The only thing that went right in that game is he was up for his fourth time, ninth inning, a broken bat single, which there was some controversy over whether they were going to call it a hit or not. It was a hit. It was a hit. It, it was, was a, a hit. hit. It was a hit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but I guess the biggest controversy of this game was the way the fans acted oh. during the game. And I mean, oh. when you yeah. see, when you see. So much debris on the field where all these fans just throw stuff, throw stuff, throw, throw stuff. You know, it, it, it makes you wonder, should we sell alcohol at these events? You know, a baseball game is a mighty long time. And if you drink one beer every other inning, my goodness, you're already drunk when you get in the stadium. You're going to drink five beers. Well, I, I think if I had a Gatorade or, or, or a soda, water, or beer, uh, after witnessing that call, I might would have threw it into the um, I would hope that so. you wouldn't, Sam. Uh, well, you, you know... Uh, that to, to me, that, know, that that was a tough call. You know, it stopped the play for 19 minutes. Uh, yeah, and I guess my point is when we, we, we see acts like this by fans, and I, don't get me wrong, fans have a right to, to, to protest with boos or cheers or whatever they want to do. But when they start throwing things on the field, this this causes a delay. It could cause injury. It could cause just you just never know the extent of because if someone throws a cup, somebody will throw a battery. Somebody throw a battery. Somebody will throw a nickel or or a cell phone. And it just and all it takes is one idiot to do something stupid. Well, well, this, and the next thing you know, you got fifty thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand. In college football, you have a replay. In the NFL, you have a replay system. Now, is it possible in a critical game like this that maybe MLB will step in and say, hey, we can review the call from the, uh, from the referee? They it say is, they it got is, it right. Is, it is a judgment call. They say they got it right. And MLB does have a replay, replay booth. Every call, every home run. In the in, in that's that's, con- that's that's a judgment call in Major League Baseball is reviewed in New York City, and then that decision is sent back to the park right away. It's like so, they so, looking uh, at the so game you, while you looking at while. So you're telling me this call was a uh, I, I know they, they I heard Joe Torre say no he said it was a judgment call he didn't say it was correct and you have to understand in this type of play the runners were at peril. So it it's not just the fact of whether the, how the ball fell in the infield fly. It it had too many uh, consequences from reversing the call. You can't reverse the call. Once it's made, it's done. Period. That's the way it goes. Kind of like simply, the kind of like the call in the Monday night game uh, with no. uh, you know because there's no, a, they went and looked at you, the you had to think about you had to think no, that's, about that's a play and it's done. But you also One had to think about when you reverse a call like yes. that. Think about the the effect it has in Vegas. Oh, come on. Eh? I mean, hey, I, I, that, just, just to put that out there, you have to yeah, think about you, you that. You have to think about that. Three hundred million, three hundred million dollars. It's a lot of money. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to I'm going to side on Larry Chipper Jones. He said he wished it didn't happen. You know, I, does the debris falling? 
Oh, yeah. the call. He, he wished, no, that the debris following the right. fans' reaction. Because that's how we're going to look happen. at his last game. You better believe it. That's, that's how we're going to always remember played long, Chipper Jones' too long last and too game. Hard. That's right. And by the way, I'm not sure that that would have reversed the whole thing. I think the earlier play with a fellow that uh, inadvertently bunted the ball and surprised everybody was running down the first baseline, for some reason took a step left, and he was inside the baseline, so he was out of the baseline. And when the catcher threw the ball, he threw it and hit him in the back of the head, and guess what? Dead ball. And the run didn't score. That was a game changer right there. That so was I'm, a game I'm not changer. sure if the infield fly rule yeah. would have done that. But anyway, we've got some great playoff games, sort of. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and I tell you this right now, man. The, the Yankees are up uh, one game against the Baltimore Orioles. And the Yankees are really hot right now. And and if this guy Teixeira can really get his bat rolling, I think he's getting it rolling. And Alex Alex. Um, Alex Rodriguez, man, ah, you talk about overrated. Well, if he can just get a little bit going, I think with uh, with the Robinson Cano and that gang, they can really do some things. They'll be hard until they run into the Tigers, man. Uh, it'll be over after that. Also, <laughs> the uh, you know the Cardinals won the day twelve to four to even the series up with uh, the Washington Nationals. So now we're tied one one in that series. Well, I tell you, man, I, I give kudos though to the Orioles and the Nationals for even being in the playoffs. What a great year! It's good what to see good. some new names. I'm a little surprised that Texas went out. Early. Let me ask a question: Will we see Strasburg, Strasburg in, in the playoffs for the for the Nationals? No, no, we won't. No, not even if they make it to the World Series. No, no. Also, okay. the Tigers lead two. Zero. Oh, after, after a big wow. win, after a big win yesterday, they got the sack fly in the ninth inning yesterday to, uh, to bust open the game, win five four, and also the Reds beat the Giants nine zero to uh, take a two zero lead in that series. You know, and the Reds probably is one of the most impressive teams in Major League Baseball that you have not heard about at all this year. And that guy Dusty Baker has just always done his thing. And one thing you guys may not know of, Dusty Baker is Dusty Baker is known for inventing the high five. If you didn't know that, now you know. Just learn something new. Dusty Baker invented the high five. Yes. When did it happen? In a it game ha- it happened in a baseball game when he was playing for the LA for the uh, LA Dodgers. He came across a plate and he said uh, one of the guys uh, had his hand up and he said he just jumped up and and gave him a high five. And the next thing you know, that's how the high five got started. You just learned something here. I just learned something. Yep. Hey, but I, is that is that a conclusion of baseball for no, us? No, I week? just I I want you guys to give me some guesstimates here. Go ahead. Who, who's going to be in the World Series? Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take um I, I really, really think I'm going with Cincinnati. I'm I'm gonna take the Cincinnati Reds. Ah, See, it's a difficult decision. Cincinnati Reds and Detroit Tigers. That, Tigers win in six. Uh, also, Roland, I just want to congratulate you today in your softball game. Oh, Home yeah. run, a triple, two singles, six RBIs, folks. And also, he had the game-winning two-run oh. single. Thanks, guys. Way to go, Roland. You're the man. Hey, we'll be back right after the break. You're listening to Sports Info UM on WELE 1380 and on the Voice America Network. Has your insurance been canceled or non-renewed? Have your premiums increased dramatically? Are you looking for a new agent? Why don't you call Accord Insurance located in Palm Coast, Florida today? 
Accord Insurance offers home, flood, auto, business, life, and health insurance at affordable rates from A-rated carriers. Talk to an Accord Insurance agent today, 386-447-8950 or www.accordinsurancepalmcoast.com. Accord Insurance, Volusia and Flagler County's premier insurance agency, providing you with quality insurance you can afford. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, bright, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Livingston Warrington and Sword, PA, a full-service law firm located at 20 Airport Road, Suite A, Palm Coast, Florida, serving Volusia, St. John's, Flagler, and Putnam counties, practicing in the areas of bankruptcy, divorce, and child support, injunctions, criminal defense, foreclosure defense, real estate, probate, and general business litigation. Need help? Call Livingston Warrington and Sword, PA, at 386-437-5833. The number again is 386-437-5833. For an appointment and mention this ad and your consultation is on the house. Livingston, Wolverton and Sword, PA, Attorneys at Law, the obvious choice. What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to the Freddie Scott Show. Tackling the Game of Life, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional. Take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 386 523 1380. That's 386 523 1380. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Info UM. Sam, let's get right into this Monday night football game, man. One of the best teams in the NFL. Probably is going to be taking on one of the lower mediocre teams in the NFL. The New York Jets are going to be playing the Texans in New York. And um, I, this is unbelievable. I heard today that, that, that the New York Jets are six-point 
6.5% of the tickets are not sold for this game. And this is like 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 big giant news. 6. Point, I'm like, man, Jaguars, they we 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 lose 30% of our tickets every week. And they're they're concerned over 6.5%. Well, all they have to do is say they're going to play Tim Tebow and they, <laughs> and, they, and they can clear that up. But uh, uh the game's uh, underway in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. The Texans are driving. Uh you know, my the only thing I want to know about this game is will we see Tim Tebow, you know, uh at you, quarterback. You're talking about a Jets team that uh they don't have a a, a big time receiver now that Antonio Holmes is out. The running game has been non-existent and the defense have been very inconsistent when you think about rex ryan you think about defense they have been hit hard by injuries but this is the national football league other guys get paid to do a job so it'll be quite interesting i just want to see will the jets compete harder than they competed against the san francisco 49ers well we'll see because trust me the Texans is probably one of the most physical and probably the, one of the biggest teams in the nfl and they have some serious weapons in Foster and Andre Johnson from the University of Miami. Hey, uh, you know, uh, moving along, you know, uh, Thursday night, the Rams versus the Cardinals. The Cardinals was one of the teams that uh, that were undefeated coming into the game, 4-0. and And uh, the, the Rams' defense was sack-happy. You know, they sacked Kevin Cobb nine times and uh, just grinded out a tough, tough 17 to 3 victory over the cardinals i feel bad for larry fitzgerald one of the best receivers of all time that's really don't have that marquee quarterback to get him the ball and i'm sure that he truly misses kurt warner well you know um sam bradford just didn't really have impressive numbers he didn't really do a lot 7 to 21 for 141 yards but stephen jackson who was basically been a workhorse for this team for the last seven years he really did what he always does uh 18 rushes 76 yards he and, and he's just like a, a battle axe man i mean he's gonna pound you pound you pound you and and if you slip just a little bit he's gonna gain 24 yards he's not a real explosive running back but Boy, he can really pound it, pound it up in there, and and he's he's one of those guys that will make a defense softer. Yeah, but the Miami Dolphins came up with their first victory, and after two overtime losses in a row, the Miami Dolphins beat the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, and I think that was probably the most impressive thing is that this game was in Cincinnati hey. Hey, against uh, a Marvin hey. Lewis defense, who's always been uh, a stout, stout defense coordinator. I'll just say finally, you know, after two tough uh, overtime losses, they uh, finally finally got a, a hard-fought victory. You know, uh, I, I got to tip my hat to Miami. They were committed to running the football. when They, they ran the ball 35 times for 68 yards, a 1.9 average. But but to me, what that did is it, it just allowed the balance, just the threat of the run being there. Uh, you know, so very impressive. Uh, Miami, you know, Bush, 19 carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. Well, hey, we have a call. Someone's calling in on the Sports Info UM hotline. Go ahead, caller. South Daytona Dan, gentlemen. How's it going, Dan? Good. Hey, uh, I want to back up a little bit when you were talking about South Carolina having uh, three guys protecting the punter. Yes. I think advantage of that also is in case the punt returner should get through, you know, get through the the, the first wave, you got three guys <clears throat> back there that'll be able to tackle them, so he can't make a long, extra long run. Well, that that is a possibility. Those guys could be used as a safety valve. Yeah. Uh, Norm- I, I agree with you. Yeah, normally on the punt team, though, everybody have lanes. So after you punt the ball, you spread out into your lanes. And uh, uh, it, it's really hard to explain the, the new uh, formation or who came up with it. But uh, 
I, I think it's more of a, a protection from a more of a, from a protection standpoint. I kind of think it might be a two pronged deal, both defense and offense. You know what I mean? Uh, in other words, uh, to protect the punter and you got these guys hanging back, they won't all be taken off at the you know that be uh, they will be a few seconds behind because they're you know protecting the punter. I think it's sort of like a safety valve. Well, know. good point. We'll see if we get some more calls about it, Dan. We appreciate your call. Okay, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dan. Hey, in the next game, uh, you know, uh, the Colts, uh, Colts in Green Bay. Uh, t- t- to me, uh, you know, the Colts had, with with the heavy heart, they went out and they, and they played some inspired football. They trailed 21-3 to at the half. Uh, you know, their coach is out with leukemia. Uh, Reggie Wayne honored him by wearing orange gloves because that's uh, with cancer patients. Well, leukemia. Leukemia patients. <laughs> oh, orange is for leukemia? Yes. Oranges for that, and uh, you know they the they, orange gloves. They, yeah, the orange well, that's gloves. That's sure better than all the pink. And he said he didn't care. He <laughs> he said he didn't care if the NFL finds NFL finds sure or not. But, uh, oh, I see. Yeah. I, I tell you, man, they, you, you're talking about just just watching uh, Ursay in the locker room give a. Uh, the game ball and uh, Reggie Wayne and those guys stepping up. Uh, be, be the tough Green Bay team, but uh, Reggie Wayne had an outstanding day, 13 catches over 200 yards. Uh, uh, get some good defensive back. Well, when when Aaron Rodgers is your leading passer and your leading rusher, you're going to have problems, and, and Green Bay is going to continue to have problems if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the leading rusher for this team. And, you know, it, it's hard enough for him to sling the ball around the field as many times as he does with the accuracy that he does. But now when we look at when we look at Aaron Rodgers now, he's running the ball a lot and his running backs are not being able to get into the routes because it look like they're in blocking a lot with the protection. So that gives me this impression that his offensive line is not as stout as he'd like for it to be, nor it is as stout as McCarthy would like for it to be, the head coach. So uh, I, I, I have some concerns for this team, Green Bay, and they're, they're suffering a lot of injuries, man. Uh, to Michael Finley, he went down yesterday. Um, Jens, Cedric Benson, Jens, he Jens went down out, yesterday. Yeah. That's part of it, so you know, you know the, so the running game won't get any better with uh, them losing uh, Cedric Benson. But uh, how about Andrew Luck, man? A career high, 362 yards, 31 for 55, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, and, and there was none bigger than the late one to Reggie Wayne. And Andrew Andrew Luck was the leading rated quarterback coming in to this week. And after the performance he had yesterday, I'm sure that has not changed. But the Ravens and the Chiefs, you know, this this game had a little uh, a, a little sidetrack to it. Uh, Matt Castle left the game with a concussion, and the fans in Kansas City were cheering as he laid on the ground. And I, you know, and and we heard Eric Winston, University of Miami grad, talk about this a lot. Um, he talked about how. How disgraceful he felt, and he had never felt uh, worse as a player to to see the fans that he thought supported his team uh, cheering for his quarterback on the ground. You, you mean the same fans that paid for a banner that asked for Castle and um, Castle to be benched and Pioli to be fired? Those fans? Those fans? It, uh, to me, that brought back memories of uh, Michael Irvin when he got hurt in uh, Philly. You yes, know, just I remember that. Just the. Uh, Bad taste that leaves in your mouth as a sports fan. And, you know, really there's no place in, in the game for uh, actions like that. But, hey, 
they are fans. They are frustrated. Uh, you never want to cheer when someone gets hurt. But uh, to me, the story of the game was uh, Jamar, uh, the Ravens' defense and the job that they did on uh, Jamal Charles. Uh, he had 30 carries, 140 yards. But he had 125 yards at halftime, and that defense buckled down and held him to 15 yards um, after the half. Well, you know, Joe Flacco, you know, he wants to be considered to be – he wants to be in that category of premier quarterbacks. Well, he's going to have to play like a premier quarterback, and he just don't seem to be getting it done. And he's another guy. That you just have to wonder um, how, how much more are we going to get for Anquan Bolden and with Flacco, you know, Flacco, Anquan Bolden is getting up there in age a little bit, and 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 Flacco just don't seem to have a lot of weapons around him. Hey man, Torrey Smith is is, is he to is me, good. he's their number one receiver now. He's a speed guy that that's getting better at running routes, and uh, you know, Baltimore they want to run the ball with Ray Rice and play good defense. But moving along, the Giants they uh basically spotted the Browns 14 points, and uh they put on their track shoes. Omar Bradshaw ran, inspired, had over 200 yards. Eli was his steady self, over 250 yards. Victor Cruz caught three touchdown passes. And, uh, you know, the Giants, uh, they're, they're chopping away. They're tied atop the division now, 3-2, and two, and they beat Cleveland 41-27. Um, I think this guy Whedon is coming around, and i got to give him a little credit, man. He's, he's looking better. Um, he, he came in as a first-round pick. A lot of people question it when the Browns took him as a first-round pick, but he looks like he, he might be worthy of that pick. Michael Vick. Too many fumbles again, man. Michael Vick turned the ball over, and the Eagles lost to the Steelers with the uh, with the last second field goal by the Steelers. You know, uh, Pittsburgh backs against the wall. All they did was relaxed, and uh, Big Ben went on. Big Ben was typical Big Ben in the clutch. You know, and that that was a great football game. Vick had two costly fumbles, one in the end zone, and uh. You, you know, it's tough, but I wouldn't want him to alter his style. He did lead his team down to a. Um, to the to the lead and uh you know Big Ben did what he did worked his magic great ball game you got to cut out the fumbles but I, I think Philly's going to be a factor in the long run we only have about three minutes to go I want to hear you guys would you, if you think that the Atlanta Falcons are for real now five and zero oh, and they wow. win over the Redskins and how dangerous is this RG three knockout I think um, I think Roddy Wild, Roddy White and um, and the Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan have really have a, a tremendous amount of, of uh, chemistry, and it could lead them deep into the playoffs. RG3, he has to stop running the ball. He's not a very thick man. When you look at Cam Newton, he's 6'6", 245. This guy's not 6'6", 245. I doubt if he's 225 at 6'4". And he just really has to find better methods of getting the ball down the field besides running. All right. And the it's a mild concussion. Mild so, concussion, What's yeah. the difference? Mild concussion, serious concussion? To me, the Falcons. Got when your brain right. is right, it's yeah. right. The Falcons are for real. And uh, Matt okay. Ryan, to me, uh, he's he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. 345 yards, two touchdowns. And besides Roddy White, man, the Tony Gonzalez uh, oh, pickup, wow. 13 catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. But as we plug along. Got two minutes. The Seattle Seahawks really, really, they, they, you know, the Seattle Seahawks and their rookie quarterback beat the Panthers yesterday and Cam Newton. And I really think Cam Newton is really suffering some of these sophomore, sophomore, I'm not going to give him the jinx, but he's suffering from a, a, a sophomore setback. He really doesn't they look good. He's not touchdown. making good decisions. He's holding the ball too long. He's, 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 he's running when he should be throwing. Uh, I'm really disappointed in Cam Newton. I'm not saying he didn't do his homework or he just don't have enough weapons. And still, 
Steve Smith, man, did you see this guy yesterday? He had a holding call against him where he just tackled a, a defensive back. Come on, and, and it was—you can tell—it was out of frustration. Hey, he was targeted. Was. He was targeted about 16 times. You know, uh, too many times. Hey, another game before we leave. New England, 31, Denver 21. Two of the best quarterbacks in the business went head to head. Tom Brady improved to nine and four versus Peyton Manning. You know, uh, when asked about his 13 receptions. Uh, Wes Welker, uh, he joked, it's finally, it, it feels good to stick one to Belichick. What do you think about that comment? I think he was out of line by saying something like that. But, hey, man, um, Drew Brees broke Johnny Nunez's record. Yes. What a record to break. Yes. And congratulations, Drew. Couldn't have happened to a better guy, man. A couple of other things going on. The Orlando Magic, the NBA, is in force. They fell in Mexico City to, uh, guess what, the Bobcats. So. With or without the White House. There you go. Also... Your man, Matt Kenseth, winning the race. Ford, number 17 at Talladega. Actually, I was watching a demolition derby, and a race broke out. Still, Brad Keselowski leading in points. Jeff Gordon, though, vaulting four positions in the sixth. Too many points, though. All right, that's it for the night, guys. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info U.M. We'll see you then.